out, we'll come out, we'll come to play. Just for recreation's sake to pass the time away. Lots of fun, heaps of fun, enjoy yourself today. North Melbourne boys are hard to beat when they come out to play. So join in the chorus, sing it one and all. Join in the chorus, North Melbourne's on the ball. Good old North Melbourne, the champions you'll agree. Hello and welcome to the Stern Look. I'm Kangaroos Forever. For today's show, we have tennis player Andy's biggest fan in Philly Rue. Welcome. Hi, everyone. <laughs> that was very quiet. Reporting from his Xbox while playing the new AFL game, we have Gene 80. Good evening, K4. Good evening, listeners. Good to have you on. We're supposed to have Greater Gatsby on, but he's with Robbie Nahas at the moment, so he might join us later on. <laughs> Now, moving straight on to... <laughs> he might have his mouth full, though. He might have his mouth full. <laughs> Not going there. <laughs> oh, come on. It's a family show, and it's a family site. Come on. That, that's to me. Anyway. Supposedly. <laughs> <laughs> Beginning with Rabble Rampage, which is kindly led by its creator, Gene 80 Okay. If you've ever seen a AFL telecast, you'll always see a player being called the wrong name. In isolation, it is not a big problem. It is, everyone makes mistakes, I guess. But on Saturday night, one Basil Zemplis decided to call Scott Thompson Nathan Thompson, which, again, and I stress on its own, is not a problem until he decided to have a go at the umpire for calling one of the players the wrong name. (laughs) I can accept a mistake in the heat of the moment. But what I cannot excuse is for someone who has just made that same mistake not even 10 minutes prior to have a go at an umpire for making the same mistake. Fellas, what do you think? (laughs) Can I? Who did the the umpire get wrong as a matter of interest? Do you remember? I can't recall. Was it a Gold Coast player? But I know he – I think it was a North player. I mean, Basil Zemplis is is clearly the worst – I don't – do you know what? Every time I go to the football and I know that Basil Zemplis is commentating, it makes me feel like it was money well spent buying my membership so I don't have to listen to him. <laughs> he is the worst commentator of any sport ever. He stuffs everything up. He's a douchebag. He makes my skin crawl. I, I don't know. He's he's bad. He's not very good at all. I know. Hamish McLaughlin's a bit like that with his commentary with the kids. Yeah, I get it. But uh, do you know what? Hamish, he, I don't know. He, Hamish sort of comes across a little bit knockabout. He seems okay. But Basil is just so far off the edge of being stupid, it's not funny. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's just – it seems like they've got the work experience kid to come in and have a crack at it. Because I, I always say this about any any sort of situation where your work is really, is really um, I suppose, consumed by the public. You have got. It, it's not as though you are doing a crossword and get a wrong uh, a wrong answer. It is your what you are doing and what you are saying is being consumed about millions of people over the country, mm. and you can't get simple things right. It does my head in. I mean, I am by no means an authority on commentary or all the things that go into it, but to me, one of the very basic things is to get the right names and get the right facts because that's what a lot of people are relying on you for. Yeah. Mm. I mean, until but, very recently, yeah, you're still referring to Lindsay Thomas as Matt Campbell. <laughs> that wasn't him, though, was it? He dropped that in last year, I think. He, oh, he's, just, he's bad. Oh, his worst one was when the Western Bulldogs kicked a goal and then he went to Leon Cameron, the GWS coaching guys. That goal was the one you needed. <laughs> Yeah, and then Liam exactly. Cameron had to correct him. That's one of the most cringe-worthy things I've ever heard. Yeah, no, he's, he's really bad. It's beyond fathomable how these guys, some of these guys get jobs. It really is. James Bennett's mm-hmm. probably a nice improvement to it. He's, it's nice to see him get a bit more of a role in all in the games, but, geez, the standard commentary. Yeah, he's very good. They made him do his time, though, didn't they? I mean, he, he was over in America doing ESPN, yeah. and then he's, he's come back, and they made him do the VFL games all last year. So oh, he's been they, brilliant. They did, they did. Yeah, and they've been... Been giving that um, oh the guy that does the soccer what's what's his name oh sure. there's another guy that they've oh, been yeah, getting on the Fox game yeah he's actually pretty good isn't he? 
he's very good. Like, he doesn't try to be funny. He doesn't try to be anything he's not. He's just there. He knows the players, professional. And that's what you want. Because I think in any sport, I think it, if you watch the baseball, the gridiron, anything, they're professional. They know what they're talking about. They're not trying to crack jokes. Yet the AFL com- commentary teams over Fox and Channel 7 seem to promote the fact that they're these knockabout blokes that crack jokes all the time try to be funny. And they're not. If I wanted to see comedy, I yeah, well, if I wanted to see comedy, I'd go to a comedy club <laughs> because they're going to put forth a far better effort than what these guys are going to do. And to hear Brian Taylor, Dwayne Russell, Basil, so on, just dribble their inane ramblings trying to pass off as being funny is just insulting to me as a viewer. Fair enough. Well, we'll move straight on to... That's Thanks for that, June 80. <laughs> no problem. All right. Just moving on to the major issues of the week. And the first issue is the AFL discussing a possible introduction of the last touch rule and a free kick. So that equals a free kick to whoever not touched at last. So what are your impressions this feel with? Well, I actually wasn't aware of that until until about 30 seconds before you saw it, said it, and I was just quickly flicking through Twitter to see if there was anything I missed. And Simon Leakland has said that uh, that he's definitely not on the cards, and it's nothing that they've considered or considering. In the- well, so put that to bed. Put that one to bed. I think I don't know, but I think I think it's a, it's a bad. It's a. It's, I think it's a really bad idea. I, if if it was someone's idea, I don't. They should they should do it. Um, I think in saying that, I mean the, the way that the rule is in place now it, it's great because the, the, the ball stays in bounds more but occasionally when they make those howlers that they do it really it upsets everyone but, but maybe upsetting the crowd every now and again is not, not a bad thing anyway i mean it gets the atmosphere up and about and people get excited and we jump up and down like idiots i don't think it's it's you know it's the worst thing necessarily it's, as long as it's not a game changer that knocks you out of a final or something like that which is probably yeah, you know, it's only around the corner that'll happen, and then everyone else, you know, it'll be unbelievable that that it ever happens. So, yeah, I, I I don't think it's a it's a real good idea. I I like the other rules they brought in. I think the third man up rule, although they've made a couple of mistakes on it and it needs to be tweaked. I think it's a it's it's great that they're trying to reduce the amount of uh, players that come in and try to snipe Goldie. So that's uh that's been a welcome mm-hmm. addition, but they've just got to do it a little bit better. But um yeah. The, the deliberate thing—it's—it's it's, it's an issue. I think they—they they need to—they yep. need to clean it right up. Well, they just said today that they're going to keep that strict interpretation of it. So yeah, it's I think here to I, stay. again, I think the strict—I think the strict interpretation is a good thing, but I, I think it's—they've just got to try to be a little bit more consistent. I mean, we don't, I, I don't mind if they call it deliberate almost all the time, but then like that one that against Freo the other week when is it? I can't remember who. who the ball Marley, took was it Marley the Williams? And Ma- and it, I reckon Marley yeah. Williams has turned yeah. on its side and hit the boundary. It could have easily gone the other way and been no free kick. But the Frio guys one was mm. barreled straight at the boundary and gone out. And if anything, that was more deliberate in my eyes. And, and they didn't call that one, but they called the one on us. But um, yeah, I, I think generally it's it's been a it's been a welcome addition to the game. The rule. But your example is the exact thing that I because th- I actually think that there might be something in the uh, last touch rule. I'm not 100% with it, but I think that one thing that it does do that's a really, really big improvement is it takes it takes interpretation out of it. It makes it a black and white rule. The only thing I would say is if you did bring it in, it would have to be an indirect free kick in as much as you wouldn't be able to just kick a goal from the, you know, from that free kick. So you okay, have to pass I've got another one for you then. What what about if it's just from a disposal, if it like if it's last touch? I don't think it can be from a spoil or from if you get tackled, then it comes out in the tackle and rolls out of bounds. It's it's on you. I think I think yeah, if it comes no, I, if it okay, comes from a di- comes from a direct disposal, either a kick or a handball, then then that, or or if you run it over the line. But if you if you yeah. if you're getting tackled and you get tackled over the line, I don't think that should be a free. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's fine. Um. So that maybe that is a, a compromise, like you know, like at least with those they're clear cut, and it's not a case of somebody trying to read the thought process of a player who's just trying to get the ball out of there. Yeah, and I else? think I, mean, it, I, I I cringe at all the rule changes. I think I don't know, but I'm, I'm just yeah, it is. Just, it's... just let the boys play. I mean, we 
and I just said I think this rule change has been good, but I, I just think we've got to stop tinkering a little bit and just put it's 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 a it, great game and it's been a great game since we were kids and since way before that when you know since players that I don't even know their names because they they played that long ago. It was a great game then, and it just seems that all these rule changes are weakening and diluting the product a little bit. But if, I guess if it, if it makes the the game flow better, then you know, that's a good thing. But I don't think we should just keep changing things just for the sake of them. Mm, great. No. Right, next issue, the second final issue that we're going to discuss is the quality of skills across the AFL, in particular AFL goal kicking and recent bad runs, run of form with goal kicking in terms of Joe Denneher and Joe White earlier in round one. The quality of kicking for goal from set shots has somewhat declined in recent years. Is that a re- fair assessment, Gene 80? And if so, why have skills declined so rapidly in recent years? Oh, absolutely, it's an issue. I mean, I want to, before I go into it, I would like to say about Joe Danaher how quickly the media can change. On Anzac Day, he was the Anzac Day medalist, kick six, bouquets from every angle. And some of the bile thrown towards him on Sunday after missing a few goals, well, a fair few goals, which is what he's paid for, um, was it was just an example of how quickly the media can jump on and jump off a particular player. But it was it's actually interesting that you bring this point up because I managed to watch um, an interview with um, Doug Wade last night, and he said that he always kicked a torpedo every time he kicked for goal. And he seems to think that the players themselves are the biggest issue. The pressure on the players, they just not, they're not, I think his words were something along the lines of, I'm paraphrasing obviously, was um, there's just some players that just mentally can't kick for goal. They can't have that pressure on them. Um but ultimately, the solution is to ensure that your routine is right every time you kick a goal. Um, he, he made the point, he, he further went down the uh, line about saying that it seems like every player has a different approach every time he k- kicks the ball, whereas his was exactly the same every time he had a shot on goal. And that... I mean, it's indisputable that that's the reason. Um, why that is happening, I'm not sure. I mean, I, clearly goal kicking is definitely put as a secondary issue when it comes to training and the like, but I can't really, um, <laughs> without being inside a player's head, I can't really ask answer the question why every time they kick a goal they have a different routine. I've got a theory. And that is my theory. My, my theory <laughs> is that in in previous generations we had stay at home forwards. We had blokes like Tony Lockett who would barely leave the leave the goal square unless it was to go get a meat pie, and <laughs> blokes like Jason Dunstall and Peter Hudson and all the, all these great famous full forwards and, and other forward players that would barely leave the fifty meter arc. We were at the footy on Saturday night and we looked up at one stage and the the most forward player for North Melbourne was Ben Brown. And he was standing at the top of the centre square up the far end of the ground. So it, it, it's just the game has changed so much since back then. And these players, like the, the key forwards in, in days gone by, probably would have averaged four kilometres a game, if that. Now they're probably probably averaging 14 kilometres a game. And they're gut running and they're, they're moving up into the opposition forward 50 and they're running back and they're all over the place. So I think anaerobically they're... they're, they're they're probably much more fatigued than what they have been before. Um, often when players are lining up for goal, they're, they're blowing like they've been running in a marathon and they just look knackered. And I, mm. and I think that that fatigue affects the, affects the routine, but it also affects the, the, the mechanics of, of the kicking for goal. And also mm. the, the, way that, the way that they train now, I mean, where Tony Lockett probably would kick 200 balls a goal at training, well, now they run their asses off <laughs> almost every week at training and the skills that they, they work on at training uh, are moving the ball and, and to, you know, figuring out their game plans and doing mm-hmm. all that. Whereas mm-hmm. game plans in days gone by was just kick it long to plugger or kick it long to carry. And, and these guys 
were that good that they won the ball often in a good spot and we kicked a goal and, and were really good at what they did because at training, that's what they practiced. Whereas today, it's, it's not really like that. So, I mean, it's, it, it's, a, it's a tough one. And, 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 and I think the game of football's um, aesthetically much better to watch now because of the speed of movement and the, 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 the I think the game's it's quite fun to watch. But, but the goal kicking, definitely, it's been something that's definitely gone a little bit closer. Yeah. Anything to add before we move on, guys? No. No. No worries. Thumbs up, thumbs down time now. So my first thumbs up is the form of Taylor Garner. He's been in superb form. Mm, my second good. thumbs up is Essendon losing. That's great. Clearly great when Essendon lose. My only thumbs down this week is the injury to Mullet. It's very timing for him, but he'll be back soon, hopefully next week, maybe the week after. What are your thumbs up and down, Philly? Well, my thumbs up is that we won. My partial thumbs down, but I'm going to call it grinding my goat because of Nate. I just think it needs to be acknowledged that he said said it. Is that the the crowd was was really disappointing on Saturday night. I was uh, quite embarrassed that we didn't show up, and I and I know that you know people can say that we've got low membership compared to others and it's hard to pull a crowd to Gold Coast and we've lost, you know, we've, we've lost a lot of games leading up. But that the crowd wasn't great. I mean, I, I think that, I don't think we had as many as what they said we had there. I, I, I can't ever remember being in that stadium and seeing so few people. Um, in saying that, I, I got home and I read on Twitter and on Big Footy that um, apparently we booed Gary Ablett. Is that how it sounded on TV? Yeah, they might, they up the yeah, mics. Yeah, yeah, sounded like it, yeah. Do you know what? I, where I was sitting, I didn't hear one person boo him, and I was sitting in a in a very uh, North Melbourne member type area. Not not one person booed him, except when he made those two mistakes, giving up the free kicks when he got caught, and when he uh, when he dumped Jed Anderson and gave away the free kick. We all stood up and gave it to him, and we yelled out things like "You selfish, bald-headed so and so," and like we we got right into him because he's a superstar, and that's what we do. Because that, you know, the opposition's mm-hmm. best player, when they when they do something stupid, that's your opportunity to give them a bit back for kicking our ass up and down the footy field all day. So, I mean, I, I was I was really surprised to read that, that apparently we booed him, and I would have thought I reckon there was probably a couple of thousand people sitting around me that I would have heard them if they booed. And seeing as there was only about ten thousand people in the stadium, there's a fair proportion of people that weren't booing him, as far as I'm concerned. Interesting, Jane Eddy. Uh, my first thumbs up was Marlene Williams. Um, the two chases over the last couple of weeks were fantastic, but that's not the reason why I'm giving him the thumbs up. It was the absolute joy that he had when he when we won the game at the end of the game. I'm not sure if you saw the photos. It The guy is buying into the club 110%, and I just think that is the greatest thing. Um, everybody was a bit iffy whether or not he was the right guy to bring into the club, but I think he's just proving that he's just, he seems to be more North Melbourne than a lot of the guys that have been in the club for for many years. And that, I just think that week is for Marley, fun. G&80, a big week for Marley this week. Why is that? He's going, to have, well, he's going to have Eddie Betts, isn't he? I reckon he will, yeah. He'll probably play on him, but... Well, that's it. I mean, Eddie Betts is definitely the best... Uh, Best player at his position in the league. I mean, if, Mar- if Marley can do some somewhat of a job on a rampant Eddie Betts, then uh, he's he's probably going to be everyone's favourite North Melbourne player for a little while. I think he uh, yeah he's a ripper. <laughs> Sorry, can I just quickly another quick thumbs up? I forgot was when uh, when Jed Anderson kicked the goal and got up Gary Ablett like got right up in his face, and I <laughs> th- that it made me really happy that that Jed's on our team. Yeah, I think the buy-in of our recruits. Jed and Marley, it seems to be very good. And perhaps I'm probably drawing a very long bow here, but like we say, someone like Josh Kelly or Dustin Martin, they might see that and go, no, there's something about this club or any potential recruit whatsoever. But there just seems to be that camaraderie about the club at the moment that, I mean, I don't think any of us would have been happy with one in five at the start of the season, but everything that I'm seeing is actually pretty positive apart from the win-loss record. 
And that's um, to me that that it's really gratifying. It it's really it's really refreshing to see a group of guys just being as close to one unit as they're trying to be. And it's just yeah, I, I think it's a really big thing. Yeah. My so. second thumbs up um, would be the Luke McDonald goal from the center square. <laughs> that was just in terms. Of, I I love moment. I'm all about like a particular moment, like say Corey McKernan in that 10 minute spell in the 99 grand final, whatever the case may be, Wayne Carey, you know, ripping apart Melbourne on a Friday night, whatever the case may be, that goal from, from um, McDonald was just fantastic. I didn't even know he could do it. Like I saw him lining up for it. I'm thinking, I don't think this is going to happen. And he, and not only did he kick it, but he kicked it with a fair bit of room to spare as well. And again, that just that passion after he kicked it, like the happiness in him and all that sort of stuff is it's it's a really good to see. Mm. He's having a very good year. Very, very good. He's more suited to that wing utility forward half type role. He's so suited to that, it's not funny. I think he said that himself. Like he said that, you know, he's out of the back line and it suits him a lot more. He can play on instinct a hell of a lot more and 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 play to his strengths, which is which is great to see because obviously everybody wants him to do well and it's it's just good. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if he goes to Rory Sloan to do a bit of a job on him, but we'll talk about that a bit later. So mm. Moving on to club discussion, so I'll just do a bit of history and then I think Philly Rue wants to talk about the crowd once more. So in terms of history on this day, back in 1985 in round six, North Melbourne beat the Demons by a point, 132 to 131. A random North Melbourne player called Brendan Ryan kicked five, Shimmerbush kicked three. Donald McDonald kicked three, Larkin kicked three, Jimmy Cracker kicked two. So it was quite a high scoring win on this day back in 1985. Just you like to discuss the crowd once more, Philly? Yeah, I mean, I probably covered it early and didn't really need to go back. I, I saw um, was it Giant Rude put on Twitter the Caroline Wilson to the Caro's Arrow, or what it is, from Pretty Fast and Fight. And uh, I watched it and... It annoyed me that she she said what she said about the club, but I kind of agreed with parts of it. Like we 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 bang on about how how sad and angry and disappointed and furious and all of those emotions we were about the AFL trying to ship us off to the Gold Coast, and yet we we play a, a Saturday night game in Melbourne and we can't pull more than fifteen thousand people to it. I just I I I understand that there's people in the AFL and people in the media that. They're going to jump on that, and for us to give them that opportunity, it's it's it was really disappointing. Um, in saying that, I, I, I think we, we mentioned it in the in the pre-show, and I've said it before that Hawthorne played a Friday night game maybe last year or the year before against Port Adelaide, and they've got seventy thousand members, and they only drew nineteen thousand people to the game. So proportion-wise, <laughs> we, we were ahead of them, but no one says anything because it's Hawthorne, and we all we all just fall over ourselves to tell everyone how good they are. But I, I think we need we need to do better. We need to get to those games and we did our part. We were there, but it's it's just it's important that, that when our club play in Melbourne in a home game that we get there. And it's not like we haven't been playing bad football. The, the losses were really good games and I was I was proud of the club. I mean, I was probably more like Brad Scott after Saturday night than I was like the players. The players looked like they'd won the grand won the grand final and Brad Scott looked like someone had taken all the jam out of his donut and I was probably more like him. I was pretty disappointed <laughs> with the way that we played and I thought it was clearly our worst game for the year. But we just happened to play a shit side. So I agree with you. I think that the game on the weekend was definitely our worst of the season so far. So do you walk away happy with that or do you um, walk away annoyed? How do you feel? Well, considering that we've um, outplayed size and lost, um, it's probably good to just pick up a win. And I think that's what the celebrations amongst the lot were. They, they got a bit of reward um, for the season so far. It might not have been particularly relevant to that game. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, think... yeah, I, I heard an argument that I, it was it was a much it was a better performance because 
we didn't lapse and let the other team get a run on of kicking five or six goals. And I'm, I'm like, well, that's fine, but that's because they were shit. It wasn't like it wasn't like we yeah. we got a run on ourselves and put five or six together either. Like we, I don't know, it just it didn't didn't feel like a good. Apart from I thought Robat played clearly his best game for the club. I thought he was everywhere. He was awesome. He, his underwater running was amazing. I thought he was everywhere, and I was really really happy to have him out there because I'm I'm not sure we would have won the game without without his run and effort. But I just everyone else. Taylor Garner played a good game, obviously, but pretty much everyone else was a bit flat. I mean, Ben Brown, kicked, how many kicks? Six Ben Brown. So, I mean, he's obviously played well as well. But can't, it was, are we going to talk about Cunnington later? Or is that, is that well, one of the questions? We've already started the review. We might as well keep going. <laughs> okay. What a smooth segue. Well, there is a, a question on, there is a question on Cunners, so we'll leave that particular point alone. Okay. But... Leave, it, leave that there. But Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I'll stop. We'll stop the review. Go, go, go. Well, we can keep going with the review. That's fine. So, okay. as you noted, number of good players. Gibson played mean with his neo-Nazi haircut. He did. <laughs> Garner turned it around. <laughs> very good up forward. Gene 80, have we seen the emergence of plan B with Lockie up forward? Is it a case of too late in his coaching career to try and this type of thing? Or has Brad always had plan Bs and that we've been blind to him over the years? Um, I think in previous podcasts we talk and talked about how the team's structured and the particular players that you've got in the 22 at a particular time. I think with Petrie, Harvey, Del Santo and Ferrito, having those four in meant that we were quite rigid in what we could do. Um, I've been a massive advocate for Lockie basically being a swingman from now to the rest of his career because he can take marks, he can kick, he can... It, relatively mobile for a big guy. Um, it's just uh, it's just the role that suits him. Um, if he can be something similar to what like Adam Hunter was for West Coast in the mid two thousands, minus Hunter. the terrible mullet, minus the mullet, um, yeah. it, he'll be very valuable for us for the rest of his career. Which I think is what we need to try to get out of him. Um, I do think the um, the smaller 22, because um, it's definitely a great a great source of flexibility. If you if you're getting where I'm coming from, like we can yeah. have players to play multiple roles. I would even get to the point where you play the two big forwards plus Zebel on a forward flank pushing up and down. I think that would you would see a lot about the club, a lot of change in the way they play how they um, approach the 50 when they kick in, how they defend, all that sort of stuff. Because with Brad Scott's coaching, something that I've felt for a long time is that it seems as though we are just unable to stop a team getting a run on, like Philly was saying earlier. And if we can get a structure where we're more fluid, I think we can address that issue. Well, it is that rigid structure that kind of made us a bit predictable in the sense that we always try to play a seven-man defence with Lockie and try and pressure upfield. But if there's no pressure upfield, Lockie's playing on no one. And since the ball goes to the ground, they snap a goal or they outrun us. It's We just became too predictable mm. with our defence. Yeah. And we can see just Absolutely. too many inside 50s because we rely that much on pressuring the ball and intercepting the ball. As they noted on... Last week, the commentator said North Melbourne defenders typically play the intercepting role rather than playing direct one-on-one negating. We try to take that intercept mark every single time. Yeah, I know. I think yeah. we miss Sam. We miss Sam right in our back one. Oh, we do. Right, his right, dual foot skills is something we yeah. desperately miss. And and his his ability to, to, to from what you were just saying, his, his ability to intercept and, and read the ball pretty much better than anyone else in our team. I, I think we uh, we miss him big time. I'm not sure how long away he is, but we do need him pretty pretty soon. We saw him on Saturday night. He was sitting next to us, and he uh, I don't know. He didn't look close to me. I don't know. How, I don't know how he just he looked pretty miserable, and he was sort of hobbling a little bit. So I'm not sure how far away he is. Well, I think he's still another month and a half at least away. So yeah, yeah. yeah they said sad. he had a setback. So yeah, but hopefully they can get him back at the end of the year. But anyway, mm. anything else to add on the review before we move on? Uh, nope. No, I don't think so. I think I've, I've sort of accidentally covered it all before. <laughs> That's all right. That happens sometimes. 
Now, just with the fade-outs, I know we had this discussion last week. Do we just do running gun a bit too much? Do we just do stupid things like that? Or what's the issue with that? Do we just rely too much on running gun? Or should we shut it down more earlier? What's the deal? Yeah, I, I don't know, mate. I, th- I think what we've got to... We've got to use, you've got to give credits to the opposition as well. I mean, the, there's, I'm not saying that you do this, but there's some people out there that just think that we don't play anyone, I don't think. Like, the other team's getting paid. They've got really good footballers. And if, if we can hold them for three and a half quarters and, and then they get on top of our boys in, in, the, sec, in the last half of the last quarter and, and get a bit of a run on, then it, I think it showed that we held them for three and a half quarters. It's a good effort. I mean, I, I, all teams give up little segments of goals and give other teams run-ons. I mean, it doesn't mean that, you know, it happened to Geelong the other day. It doesn't mean that Chris Scott's a bad coach. It happens to Alistair Clarks and Hawthorne have had bags and bags of goals kicked on them. They're going to sack Clark. I mean, I, I don't know, mate. I, I think it would be great if we could finish a last quarter this week and win the last quarter. It would be great if we win the game this week, but that will add a really good side. But I, I think to, to probably uh, put the issue to rest, it would be great to win the next few last quarters and move on to something else. I don't think it's a real big deal. No, I don't think it is. I don't think it's bad as 2013 was, which was a very, no. very long year. Right, we'll move on to the VFL then. Then <laughs> we'd kind of switch the structure around. So basically, Werribee got up against the Druggies, which was fantastic. Swallow, mm-hmm. Mountford, Proust, Thomas and Williams were all pretty good. Swallow wasn't so influential, but he did get plenty of the football. This week's game is at Hogan's Road Reserve at Hopper's Crossing. I have no idea where that is. Against Casey Demons <laughs> on Sunday at 2pm. <laughs> what's all the laughing about now? <laughs> you don't know where Hopper's Crossing is. Oh, it just sounds like it's the original round. It's... Oh, God. No, I don't know. It's actually Hopper... not that far away from me. So I... When is it? When's the game? Sorry, can you do that again? It's on Sunday at 2pm against yeah, the Casey Demons. I, I could go. Anything to add on the VFL before we move on, guys? I know someone had something to say about it. Yeah, I think G and Eddie was saying in the pre-show, and I, and I agreed that um, it's, it's it's kind of funny that Ryan Clark didn't play last week, so I was not given an opportunity to uh, to impress, and yet he come into our AFL side as a result of not playing. And I think that it, it's an issue that, that comes up too often that um, these these games a guy's got to sit out. In my opinion, it'd be great if the uh, if the VFL game always came after the AFL game. I don't think it'd be it'd be that hard to do. Once once the if, if, whether it be an AFL reserves competition that comes into vogue or the VFL competition stays as it is, is people everyone understands that it's a secondary competition to the AFL. And I think it'd be it'd be awesome if if that game was always played after the AFL, and then the players get a fair crack at it and 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 everyone wins. I don't see the downside of it at all. No one goes to these games anyway, so why don't they just make a call and do it? Anything you add, Jerry and Eddie? Pretty much uh, surmised exactly what we spoke about earlier. It was, um, yeah, I think, um, I think like um, I said in the pre-show, I think there needs to be a separation between the AFL clubs and their state league clubs. Um, you've seen it in the past with teams like Frankston, North Ballarat were on the verge of being um, taken out of the VFL. Uh, even Port Melbourne, who is a very big club in VFL terms, had to go through the big um, fundraising exercise. I just can't see any way that AFL reserve sides or AFL affiliated sides and standalone VFL sides or WAFL sides or even SANFL sides can live in the same competition. It's just too hard because obviously you've got a team of players that are AFL, well, in an AFL system, going through the whole AFL planning, uh, training process, up and down in the big leagues against players who pretty much are VFL only having to, and for, for teams having to um, to fill in those players and buy players and pay them to come over to their club just to be competitive with these AFL-affiliated sides, I can't see that being sustainable for the particular leagues and the clubs themselves. Um, I think it is time for for an AFL reserves competition. It's an interesting concept. 
Right, we'll move straight on to the questions of the week now. There's quite a few. So the first up to, for Philly. So weight, wood door, Goldstein, Bruce Brown. On a sunny, still day, how many can you fit into a lineup in terms of number of tall men and in terms of structure? Uh, I mean, probably. I, did you? Was Goldstein part of that or not? Sorry? Yes. Yes, he was. Yeah, I reckon I, most you can play is four. Yeah, I think I think you can play the the three tall timbers in the forward line that we've pretty much fiddled around with for the last three years. But um, and and plus Goldie. So whether whether we can, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that Wood qualifies though. I think he's an outlier because he can run. Yeah. Um, so I think I think you can play you can play Weight Brown Wood Door 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 slash Bruce. Um, Wood and and Goldie, so that's uh, I guess that's five then, isn't it? I'm just, yeah, I'm just so five. Yeah. Out. I think you can do five if you include the Ruckman and you don't and you don't include uh, Mason Wood as one of your big men because he's really I mean he I think he's the second or third best runner at the club. So I think I think he doesn't he doesn't qualify as that because you don't lose that much on the ground once he's out there. I mean he I didn't think Mason Wood played a great game on the weekend, but some of his some of his chasing and running and, and stuff like that was was really important towards the end. So I'm. Um, I'm okay with with him not being counted as a big man and playing the five on a sunny, clear day or playing inside of it. Yep. Thanks for that. Gene, 80, theories on Cunner's performance in his 150th? Um, I just think it was a disappointing game for him. I mean, every player who has ever kicked a football has had a bad game. The only way that I would read anything else into it is if it becomes a consistent thing. If he follows up this weekend with another poor one, that might give me pause for thought. I think, um, I know the feeling of the board was, yes, it was his 150th. We should have had a big game from him. Um, Perhaps he built it up too much in his head. We'll never know what happened. So if it's a one-off, let's just treat it as such. If it isn't, then we'll have the discussion. I, I I just think it was just it was pretty odd for it to come out just after one week. Mm, if he was yeah, had right. poor form leading up to there, okay, that's a fair question. But yeah, Billy, um, can I can I quickly jump in on that one? I'm sorry, I know it's not my question, but I mean before that before that game, is there any doubt that he was leading our best and fairest after the first four weeks? Absolutely, I think, I think it's it's pretty clear he was he, he may have even got six brown lovos i mean he probably because we lost the games he probably didn't get the three but geez he's been really really good um it, it, it was a bizarre performance for me I, I didn't i didn't get it at all i mean I, I i spoke to someone in his family someone really close to him on the night before the game and i, I thought i asked them if they were coming up and they were they were pretty upset that they couldn't make it down and the whole the rest of the family came up for the game and they they sat just across from us, and um, yeah, they were all jacked up, and they were really excited to see him. And I don't, I don't think anyone expected the the performance that he put out there. And I don't think, to be honest with you, the, the family didn't look like they really cared. They were just happy that they got the win, and they could go out and enjoy their night. I, I don't know. He he's got a new baby. Maybe the baby was kept him awake, or maybe he just tried to impress his family because the whole the whole crew came up from Cobden. So I'm I'm really unsure why he uh, he put in a stinker, but. I'm positive that he'll come out this weekend uh, and probably be best on again. Mm. Excellent. Billy Rue, this question is from our favourite Kiwi alias, so excuse my <laughs> accent. Could Ed Vukas Wallace have eliminated ah. his inconsistencies to the extent that he is now embedded on the back socks and be impossible to displace. That sounded like... It sounded like you were Colonel Clink off Hogan's Heroes. Yeah, that, Hogan. that did sound more... Um, you know, on uh, Full Frontal, they had that Good Morning Moscow. Yeah, yeah, in answer to the question, which, which I, I think is pissed out because it was just the best way he thought he could put in the uh, the New Zealand thing. I, I Yeah, I think Ed Vickers-Wills has been an awesome addition to the team, and I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, he had one down game in the, the JLT series, but apart from that, he, he was awesome for the last 10 weeks last year in the in the VFL, and he's he's been awesome in every VFL game he's played this year, and the two AFL games he's played, he's been super impressive. He looks like he's the sort of guy that, that won't get dropped. I mean, once he got his opportunity, he was probably always going to hold his spot, and 
he he's the, he's the sort of guy that'll injury you know injury is not counting. He, he's the sort of guy that'll play a hundred games without missing one now that now that he's finally broken into the team. So and he's missed a consistency and he's he uses the ball well and he's smart. And when he speaks, it, it sounds like he's the school captain of a private school in Melbourne, which which he was. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Gene 80, feel free to ignore this question. It's a bit of a silly question, but anyway. What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? <laughs> what? What is the airspeed um, velocity of an unladen swallow? <laughs> can I ask you to ask that question? <laughs> no, you may not. <laughs> It's you, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to try, try to read between the lines on this one. Are you suggesting that the weight don't has been it. lifted don't off Andrew Swallow? <laughs> no, it's just a Monty Python. Do you think Python that the weight thing. has... <laughs> <laughs> I got bored and added a Monty Python question. <laughs> oh. Uh, next question. <laughs> next question. I just tried to I just tried to Google it, and all sorts of weird stuff come up on the internet. So well, I don't recommend that. African or European would be uh, a sufficient answer. Anyway, next. So the question really is, what will be the number of pages on the Josh Kelly and Dusty Freds by the end of the trade period? Okay. Um, I think the um, as as evidenced by current the current trends, I think the Josh Kelly one will far outstrip the Dustin Martin one. Um, until the fact that both sign with us and then the Dustin Martin one will overtake the Josh Kelly one purely because there's more media targets to take the piss out of. Fair. Yeah. Caroline Wilson, John Ralph, Kevin Bartlett, who else? I'm, I'm sure that there's many people at Punt Road fretting and chewing nails over the fact that Dustin's decided to hold talks off for the foreseeable future till the end of the season, mm. round 22, I'm sure. Um, I think the but, only yeah, people no, that want North Melbourne to get Josh Kelly more than North Melbourne is Richmond fans. Because if we don't get Josh Kelly, we'll definitely get Dustin Martin. We'll offer him $2 million a year. I, I've, got a sneaky, I've got a sneaking suspicion that we're in for Shaki as well. Not that it's not that it's come out, and I'm not, I have not, I never get background information or, or anything like that, but I, I'm feeling that we, we might be in for him as well. Mm. Um, not basing that on anything, but um, but it, it'll be interesting. I think this off-season could be one of the biggest off-seasons for the club since the early 70s. I honestly think, um, you know, fingers crossed if we can sign both of those blokes plus um, have a reasonable draft we could set ourselves up for a period of um Free high you. um <laughs> a high um high expectations and you know a little bit of media scrutiny as well because i think these guys definitely will up the um the media presence of the club and if we start playing some really good footy well then that'll even be better mm. What did you make of the comments of, from the GWS CEO about not wanting any North players and bringing out all this corporate speech? That was a bit desperate, don't you think? Oh, yes, yeah, absolutely. I think, I, I, think, I think it's great. It's, it's, pe- it's petty, says, isn't I, it? Yeah, I hope he says more of that stuff because he's just making himself look like a child. And and Josh Kelly will hopefully see that as well. I mean, if we could somehow get Josh Kelly through that preseason draft, it... <laughs> It's going to stay actually, forever. And that yeah. sort of stuff, him saying that sort of crap, that's that's where he's going to push him if he keeps going. So just keep on saying it. Is his name Dave Matthews? Is that what his name is? Yeah, Dave Matthews. Yeah. I, I just hope he keeps saying stupid His band sucked. His band <laughs> sucked. Um, but um, on, a, on a, yeah, about that, I think that it's in his interest to deal in good faith. I think... It, I, I'm pretending to be Josh Kelly, which if I was, that'd be great. But obviously he wouldn't. He doesn't want to leave the club in the lurch or anything like that. See, I don't get he that. I want the club. Can you explain that? Why? Why does he not want to leave the club in the lurch? Oh, I think I, I think everybody who leaves the club would want to leave on good terms. I don't think you want to leave the club. Yeah, but that's fine. But the at, club's got to want to leave him on good terms. So if, if his club is saying things like we won't deal with North Melbourne because they don't have any players we want. Well, Josh Kelly's got to come to North Melbourne. If that's the club he chooses he wants to go to. So is he really going to want to go to a club 
that has an opportunity having a number one or a number two or a number three pick for you know first round pick and give that pick away. I mean, that's another top class kid that yeah. he could end up playing with. He he as soon as soon as he makes a decision that North Melbourne's the club that he wants to play with, he should want North Melbourne to be the strongest club that North Melbourne could be. He shouldn't. He's he's got to in his mind get his oh, I agree. I agree. away from it. Like I, I I don't understand. I've heard that argument a lot and. And I appreciate it. And I understand that he's probably got a lot of mates at GWS. But once he makes the decision to come to North Melbourne, North Melbourne should be his priority. And if that means coming there through the preseason draft and pissing Dave Matthews off, well, that's no skin off my nose. Just go for it. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's definitely, I mean, it, <laughs> that's why the offer is so high, I, I guess, if you know what yeah, I mean. Make, like, make it an offer he can't refuse like, and then just refuse to deal with GWS. Mate, give him, offer him. I don't give a shit what they offer him. Offer him anything he wants, and then just do not deal with GWS, and then we'll get him in the preseason draft. Yeah, and then we'll keep we'll we'll keep our first round pick. Even if we make we, deals with we, other clubs for the preseason draft just to get him, I would. Be, well, yeah, I'll, but if we if we're offering him if we well, offer him nine million dollars of nine over nine years, no one's gonna no one's gonna match that. No, I'm not sure how's no, that. No one below us. So they actually have to match the contract. Yeah, the that, that's that's the matching. You can put a price on your head. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. Then all right, let him walk then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and he could even what they what they could and they're probably going to front load it anyway. So what they're probably going to do is say it's two million dollars a year for the first three years. Yeah. And then then they'll back it off later on. That's probably what they do. And then that's definitely going to knock everyone else out of the competition. Yeah, so then we get him for then we get him for naught and we keep our first round pick. Jeez, I'll, can you become a listener? Because I want Fargo. Yeah, well, that, I mean that's another thing. I thought this would have been in club discussion, and I probably should have said it before. I think the the father son chat that um that David King and and we've spoken about Blakey's son. I think I think I think that's a, been a really big issue this week, and and how the the North Melbourne people have reacted to it. I don't know. I don't, we did discuss it last week, which is why we didn't bring it up. Did you? But, Oh, okay. Yeah, did, did, I'm did, still filthy did, about it. I'm very filthy about it. It's yeah, absolutely I, ridiculous. Yeah. I think, is. yeah, the issue is that if you're a son of a two, 300-game player um, and you can't and you can't get into football, mm. there's no academy on the world that's going to get you to play football. Yeah. You, you're, you're exposed to the game. You know the game. It's not like you're a guy living in... I don't know, um, Newcastle in the heart of rugby league territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, dad works at the coal mines, whatever. But, yeah, it's just um, – it seems odd that they can use that player for that uh, that that academy for that kind of gain. It, but it's the entire academy system stuff. I mean, we've, I've spoken about it countless times on, on these podcasts. How the GWS got the Riverina region as their academy where – AFL is the number one game there anyway. I mean that that, mm. that kid Hopper, who I don't even is he going to be a player? I don't know. He seems he seems pretty good, and he was really highly rated. But he grew up a mad North Melbourne fan, mad, and he he mm-hmm. was thirteen years old or fourteen years old when he went to boarding school in Ballarat, and he went to some Pats with Rioli and that Butler guy and all those other players that have come out over the last few years from some Pats. Is what that your old school? Yeah, it is my old school. But why is he in? Why is he in the GWS academy? If he if he grew up in the Riverina region, which should never be in there anyway, and he's and he's gone to boarding school in Ballarat, what what benefit is he getting out of being in the academy? I don't. It's understand not the that. benefit for him. You need to understand. This is what this is why people. But that's right. But but well, let's let's turn the let's take the word academy out of it then, because it's not an academy at all. Then it's not. It's a means the, to the get whole idea other of players. Academy. It's a concession. It is. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a concession. And it's a joke, and that's what's pissing everyone off about this. I mean, the, do you know what? The Blakey one, I, I, it, it doesn't make me as angry as what it does everyone else, and he'll probably end up being a cracking player. But if if he lives in Sydney and his dad's in Sydney and his family's in Sydney and and he's he, – I mean, he might, want, he might have said no to North Melbourne anyway, put me in the draft. And, and would we have been less pissed off then? Probably not. I mean – I, I, I think the, the bigger issue is I think the father-son rule is, is, is bizarre to me. I don't, I don't understand how – and I, I understand that they've changed the rule, but I don't understand how Jonathan Brown's old man played three seasons for Fitzroy, four seasons for Fitzroy. 50 and played games. Less, 50 games. And he, go, he goes father-son. But this is, the, this is the, even the worst thing about it, though. He goes father-son to Fitzroy, but he didn't go – or to Brisbane, but he didn't go there with the, their first or second-round pick. 
back then you you got no. I think it was father somewhere as a third round pick. So not only is his dad yeah. not played anywhere near a hundred games, not even close. Not even for then, the right club either. Not, not even for the right club either. But but then mm. they've taken him for a third round pick, so they've still been able to keep their one and two. Now they've, they've kept changing this rule and making it harder and harder and harder and diluting it. If if you play one game, one game, if you run out through that banner in a blue and white jersey you should then have the choice to play for the same club that your father did. There's no doubt about it. I don't mm. understand why they put a 100-game limit on it. I'll, I'll never understand. And if your dad played for more well, than considering, one club, you can pick which club, if that club wants you. Yeah, and considering also the fact now that other clubs can bid for the player. So That's if right. they rate him as a first-round pick and you rate him as a second-round pick, well, you can let him go to that club. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that. As long as, seems... if, if you played one game for the club, you should be eligible to go as a father son to that club. If and and I don't I don't necessarily hate the bidding system because I mean if say if Darren Crocker's I'm not sure how good Darren Crocker's son is, but say Darren Crocker's son would have gone sixty something in the draft, and someone bids for him to go fifty five, and we've got to end up taking him at fifty two or whatever whatever it may be, then that's okay because you get to keep the history of that going. I'm I'm okay with the bidding system, but. If, if the guy played one game, what, I don't, I don't understand why, why they'd make it difficult. Yeah, no, I agree. To grease those wheels, just make it happen. Make that, make that player eligible. Now, if John Blakey's son had have said, "I don't want to play for North Melbourne," I, my preference would be to stay in Sydney, and I'll roll the dice and hopefully get picked up by one of those two clubs. Well, mate, I don't, I don't think anyone would, would begrudge him that. I mean, we might feel a little bit jilted, but, but if his family live up there and all those sorts of things, then. I think we'd all be okay. I, I think it's just it's more that Sydney and GWS and these other clubs, it feels like they get a lot, lot of leg up and a lot of help from the AFL, and it it it, it, hurt, it, it hurts us because we we feel like we always just miss out, and we've had terrible luck with father sons. Terrible. I mean, how many daughters has Wayne Carey mm. had? Too many. <laughs> well, so this is this is why we've got to get the um, the women's team coming up because. I want the women's team to progress, and then you can get the daughter son. Oh my god, is that even and a thing? You, no, it's something I'm making up. <laughs> but 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 tell me that like that's not an idea. Like you yeah, can get sure. the daughter son thing going on. Oh, it'd be just so good. <laughs> so, and so you're on thinking that, like a, on you're that thinking note, like we'll a second on. generation carry. <laughs> you want Wayne Carey yeah, daughters to have progeny. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, dear. Right. Oh, we'll dear. move on from that. We're getting a bit silly now. <laughs> Preview time because we spent so much That's time on silly. that. That's... It is. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with K4 on that one. It's a bit weird now. It is. We're getting into weird territory again. Righto, righto. In terms of ins and outs, so we're playing on Saturday. I think everyone knows that. Against the Crows at Bloodstone Arena. Get there if you're in Tassie. So the ins and outs. Mullet's out with his hand. Hopefully only one week. And Josh Sims being managed to be rested at all forms. Ryan Clark, good to see him back in. Jared Waite back in, which is great for us. In terms of the emergencies, Mountford, Bruce and Wagner. And for Adelaide, Menzel, Riley Knight and O'Brien the Ruckman. So that depends if we press in or not. So no change for them. It's going to be an interesting match. In terms of their fourth line, this is going to be very, very interesting. I see Tarrant going to Walker. Thompson to Jenkins, Lynch, Vickers Willis, Williams, Betts, Atlee to Cameron, McMillan on Douglas slash McKay, depending on who's rolling midfield. It's just going to be about the midfields. I hope McDonald actually goes to Sloan, but we'll wait and see on that one. In terms of our forward line, it's going to be very interesting. Talia to probably Brown, Hardigan to White, Lever or Lever to Wood, and the rest can just go amongst themselves in terms of half forwards and small forwards. So it's going to be very interesting in terms of matchups. Anything to add, fellas, in the matchups? Yeah, they're really good, and it's going to be really hard. I mean, I think I, I looked at some of the matchups before, and I think we mentioned it about, uh, about Marley. He's got, a, he's got a really big job. I, th- I think all of our players defensively are just going to have to be on so, so, so their best games. It's going to be a ridiculously hard game. Um, and we're going to have to bid our very best to, to even be close to this team. I think they're pretty clearly the best mm-hmm. team in the comp right now. Um, I, mm-hmm. Who did you say on Walker? Did you say Tarrant? Yep. Yeah. We have little and who was, Has to be. 
He's the only one that can go with him. And, and Thompson on Jenkins, was it? Yeah, and Hanson goes to Otten as well. Yeah. I mean, Luke, Luke McDonald's a funny one. I mean, he... Tom he, Lynch? What is... He goes to Tom Lynch. Well, well, Tom... That's what I was about to say. Luke played on Tom Lynch round one last year, and I thought I thought Luke beat him, but Lynch still kicked three or four goals. I mean, yeah, two, of them right, were, yeah. two of them were from bullshit free kicks that just were not there. So that's hardly Luke's fault. But, but I mean, Adelaide score heavily at all times, even when they lose. So to... To, to win a game against Adelaide and for Tom Lynch to keep four goals probably isn't, isn't that bad of a result. But Luke's also done a really good job on Sloan in the past. Yeah, we'd um, rather him in the midfield than, say, going up and down the wing on Lynch. So who do you play on Lynch? I'll put McMillan because McMillan goes in the same areas as Lynch anyway in terms of defensive. He does, and McMillan runs really well, but I think mm, I, I'm going to be the first one to say that McMillan in the air is one-on-one isn't. Isn't a great thing. I, I love J Mac more than most. It's a bit of a li- yeah, liability there. What about Ed Vickers Willis on? Actually, on I, did, I did mention that. Yeah, I, did I, I think that. that's okay. I think I think Ed defends pretty well and he's smart, but it's um, mate, they're they're, they're really cool. Well, who plays on Cameron? Atley. Yeah, We've got no one else. Yeah, really. Okay. Yeah. See, I mean, one reason I mean, why that, think... that looks okay, doesn't it? I mean, they're, they're all right. They're pretty good. Matches, yeah, but it? the problem is you don't really trust that lead very much. And if Thompson has to do a big job, Jenkins, Betts is very good. Lynch is very good. And you have to worry about their midfield giving it a platter. I think that's the big thing. I mean, but if, you're going to do, do that anyway. Mm. Like, the midfield have to be on this week like... more than any other week. I mean, Jack Siebel, I don't know. This, I love Jack, but I'm not sure he's played that great this year yet. And I, I'd, I'd love him to have a real the captain's game. I think he plays pretty well in Tassie normally. I, th- I think I'd love to see Kane Turner mixing it into the middle and knocking some blokes on their ass. I think that, that'd be really good. And, and, I think, and I think Luke in there as well. Just I think we've got to be really aggressive in the middle and try to try to make them think twice before they run away from us and, and just flood the ball into yeah. the forward line over and over and over again. That's a really good point. Um, I think we're a far better side um, if you look at the, say, the Geelong game, it's when we're in their face, aggressive. We've got the cattle to do that. Whether they've got the actual mindset to do it for the whole four quarters is another thing. But mm. but for for players to really, um, yeah, just get in the faces of the players and let them know that it's not going to be an easy game. Um, getting back to the matchups, I actually think Jamie McMillan should... Uh, should basically just run with Rory Laird. I think, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe burn him a bit on on the other way. Um, run with him. I mean, McMillan's going to be better in the air than Laird. He's yeah. not going to be better in the air than Lynch. Um, he can run, you know, put put the tag, because a lot of their offense does uh, does springboard from them, their back line. Um, so I honestly think Led's probably the one that we really need to keep keep a close a close check on. Um, he could very easily get that you know that high thirty possession game. Right. So how do you see, how are we going to win this game? Though that's the question. We need we need Connors to well, have a big again, game. <laughs> need, yeah. I think we got to we got to win the midfield. We have got to just win it and. And we've got to defend really well, and we've got to kick straight when we get our opportunities. I mean, Jared Waite could be yeah, absolutely could be a bit of a, a shot in the arm. I mean, he Waite, Waite's the kind of guy that I can think, just pull one out and kick. And although he kicked one goal seven or it was round one, he's the sort of guy that could come out on Saturday and kick seven goals one, and we win by three goals, and you know North Melbourne's back. Mm. But at the same time, he but you know, I mean, he kicked one goal seven. That means he had eight opportunities on goal. I mean, yeah, he's not. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? That could easily have been 4-4. It could have been 5-3. And yeah. th- that discussion, so that's not a poor game. It's a poor conversion. It's poor parts mm. to the game. But um, I think the fact that it's actually in Hobart is somewhat of a, I wouldn't say an equalising factor, but it does help us a bit. Um, I know that Adelaide played there previously, but I just think, the grounds not playing in, you know, Eddie Had or Adelaide Oval, it might just give a give a little bit of a different a different sort of feel in the um, atmospherics, ground shape, all that sort of stuff. We might actually come a little bit closer to them from that, but 
ultimately for mine, it's going to be a case of we have to be as aggressive as we were in the Hawthorne game last year, the Geelong game this year, for the full four quarters. I think that is where we can win the game. If we can if we can outmuscle them, I think we're okay. They've got the silk, they've got the speed, but our strength is our muscle, and I think that's what we're going to have to play on. Fair enough. Anything to add before we finish up tonight, fellas? I do have one very quick one. Oh, two very quick ones, actually. Sorry to add another one to that. I think we, we need to dedicate tonight's show to GN80's little boy, Hamish, who uh, he's been a little bit crook, and he had a bit of a procedure this week. So well done, mate, for getting through that. And uh, the, the second thing is, I, I don't know whether anyone saw, I, I put a post on a few weeks ago about a possible trip to the Gold Coast, if anyone was interested in it. And uh, actually, during the week, I, uh, I got onto the boys that I'd organised to go with and uh, I let them know that I didn't think I'd be able to afford it and I was pulling the pin. And then today at work, I, I work in, in construction and I'm probably the least militant member of the CFMAU that, that exists. But the, uh, the union came on site today and let us know that we'd been underpaid since we'd been on this site and they were uh, introducing a 10 cent per hour pay rise that was being retrospective from the day we started on the job. And I did the calculations and this is without a word of a lie, it was exactly the amount of the return airfare to the Gold Coast. <laughs> oh, nice. So I booked it. That's so awesome. I'm back in. I'm back here. So thank you very much to the CFMEU for uh, for getting that done. It's very much appreciated. And thank you, Philly, for giving a yell out to my young boy. No problem, buddy. Oh, yes, that was we... really appreciated. That was really Yeah, thanks for that, Philly. That was nice. So I'd like to thank Fiddy Roo and Jean Eddy for joining the podcast for this week. I very much appreciate them jumping on, as always. Thanks, mate. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, Jean Eddy. All right. Thank you. No worries. The podcast will return next week, and... As I said, hopefully you can subscribe to iTunes if that's your fancy, or if you just want to go on YouTube, you can check that. And as I said, thanks for listening, guys, and gasso.